The book of Micah, Micah chapter 6 and verse 6. We thank Sister Allen for that excellent selection. Let's give her a rousing applause. Micah 6, 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? The answer comes back, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you? What God wants from you. Say those words after me, please. What God wants from you. Let's make it real personal. Say this, what God wants from me. Please be seated. Almost every person who hears my voice this morning is struggling with some kind of behavioral issue. You are cast in the midst of a host of conflicting demands and drives and urges. And you're in a quandary between what you ought to do and what you actually do. Even your wants and your oughts seem to be complex, contradictory, and conflicting. So not only is there inner conflict, there's interpersonal and relational conflict. Almost everybody in your world wants his or her piece of your life. Everybody wants a piece of your life. Everybody wants to exert optimum influence on your behavior. I want to tell you what to do. Everybody has a strong opinion regarding what they want you to do and how they want you to behave. And of course, if you did what everybody wanted you to do, you would almost explode into a thousand pieces. And then, if you own inner conflicts and social and relational pressure were not enough, we also have the dimension of the divine and the moral and the spiritual. And so you ask, is there an eternal spirit within me? And how can I live for the benefit of my soul and the benefit of my spirit. Should I respond to the physical side or should I respond to the spiritual side of my existence? Then the question we deal with today is what does God want from me? How can I please a perfect God? How can I come up to the standard that God has set for me? How can I qualify for God's approval. I know within myself that I'm far from where 
I ought to be in God. And some people, you know, are convinced that the demands of the Christian life are so great that they'd be better off if they had nothing to do with God. Why doesn't God just leave us alone? What right does God have to tell us what we are to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. God has a right to tell us what to do because we're dependent on God. In God we live. In God we move, Acts 17, 28. In God we have our being. No living without God. No moving without God. No being without God. God has the right to tell us what to do because God is all wise. And God knows what is blessed. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Someone said there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. God has a right to tell us what to do because God knows everything. Psalm 147, verse 4. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power, and his understanding is infinite. God knows all the options, all the possibilities, and the outcome of a thing before the thing has even started. So God has a right to tell us what to do. He has a right to tell us what to do because God alone can fulfill and satisfy the deep cravings of our soul, of our spirit. Only God ultimately can really satisfy us. Some have said in Psalm 73 and verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? There's none on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart. God is my portion forever. Psalm 42, verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Visit the fun capitals of the world. Taste of all the pleasures that it might offer. Taste of all of the things that are hallucinogenic and mind-stretching drugs can provide, and you leave all of that saying, I'm dissatisfied, I'm still desperate, and your soul would say, I'm hungry for the Lord. I need God. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and assure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. God has the right to tell us what to do, because if you seek God, God has a way of making everything in life fall in place. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. God has a right to tell us what to do, because if we do what he says, and if we follow him, 
things start falling together. We tried to fix it, but nobody can fix it like Jesus can. Nobody can make life come together like he can. God has a right to tell us what to do because he loves us. The omnipotent, infinite, omniscient God of the universe is in love with you. Come on, tell your neighbor God's in love with you. That love motivates him, causes him to reach out to us, to want the best for us, to want us to be lifted and to want us to be filled with life and filled with joy. So having considered that issue, we've got another issue, another dilemma that we must face. Our souls and our spirits abide in a body of flesh, a body of flesh, a body that has a mind of its own, and a body which strives to take us in directions in which we don't want to go. Has your body ever pulled at your spirit and soul, saying, I know what you want, but I want to go this way. I want to pursue that objective. Our souls and our spirits abide in this body of flesh. This body has a mind of its own, and it strives to take us in directions that we don't want to go. Paul in Romans 7 and 14 expressed it in this way. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soul under sin. What I am doing, I don't understand. What I will to do, I do not practice. What I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do and agree with the, I agree with the law that it's good, but now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And I know that in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present, but how to perform that which is good, I do not find. Look over at your neighbor and say, you know you've been there. Turn on the other side and say, yes, you have. You've been there. All of us have been there. And then no matter how much good we do, it's not enough. Paul said in Romans 3.20, therefore by the flesh, about the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And Isaiah 64 and 6 says, but we are all like an unclean thing. All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And so Habakkuk in the text seems to reflect the same kind of desperation. Seems to cry out in despair, what does God want from me? What does God want me to do? What do I have to do to feel that I'm all right with God? And verse 6, Micah, verse 8 of Micah 6 gives us the answer. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Tell your neighbor, God wants you to walk with him. Isn't it wonderful to get a close friend that loves us and that cares about us? And just take a walk. Spend some time together. That's what God wants to do. He wants to take a walk with us. That's what he said to Enoch. Enoch, let's just take a walk. 
And the Bible says Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God translated him that he would not see death. He gained this testimony that he had pleased God. God wants you to experience the highest and the best in life. God wants you to have eternal life, abundant life. God wants you to walk humbly with him. This is illustrated in the words of Jesus in John 10, 10, where he said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. And Jeremiah 9, 23 says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands me, that he knows me, that I'm the Lord, and I'm the one that exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. God is saying, what I want from you is that you should walk humbly with me, that you should know me, that you should understand me. He said in Hosea 6, 6, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. I want you to experience me, to know me. God does not want a cold, dead, impersonal relationship with you. God wants a living, dynamic fellowship. He wants to be your intimate friend. He wants to bear your frailties. He wants you to share in the omnipotent power of your God. God wants you to have an appetite for him. Anybody have an appetite for Jesus? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God is fed up with these formalistic, empty, secondhand experiences and relationships. God wants you to love him. God wants you to have an appetite for him. He wants you to reach out in your soul and your spirit for the very presence and might of Almighty God. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, but you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Anybody have a heart hungry for the Lord today? Well, you can tell when a hungry person is reaching out for God. You don't have to tell them to stand up, clap your hands, praise the Lord. You don't have to tell them to get up and clap your hands and sing and praise him and talk. No, you, you just give them half a chance. They'll be praising him and blessing the name of God on their own. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Come on, folks, lift up your hands and say, bless this holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. Oh, God is good and he's worthy of our praise. It's God's desire to know and to love his children. It's God's desire that his children know him and serve him. He wants our love more than anything else. And knowing and loving God is more important than serving God. Come on, tell your neighbor, knowing God and loving God is more important than serving God. Or you can try to serve all you can, all you want to, and you'll still fall beneath the standard and come short of what God expects. But if you really love him, 
that love will cause you to do everything else you're supposed to do. Love will make you praise him. Love will make you thank him. Love will make you serve him. Love will make you magnify him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Come on, clap your hands and give praise to God. Hallelujah. Listen to John 17 and 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what eternal life is all about, knowing God and loving God. Hallelujah. To know Jesus Christ, to know God, is to acknowledge God. The Bible says that there arose a pharaoh, a king in Egypt, who did not know Joseph. That means that that pharaoh did not acknowledge his obligation to Joseph or to Joseph's people. Joseph had literally saved Egypt from starvation. But when Joseph died, he was forgotten. There arose another king of Egypt who rose and who did not acknowledge what Joseph and Joseph's people, Israel, had done. And he enslaved them and began to abuse them even though they had done so much to advance the land of Egypt. And listen, when you fail to acknowledge God, you fail to thank him and give him glory for what he's done for you and for the things that he has brought into your life. But if you really understand what God has done and how God has wrought and worked in your life, you can't get up an, even one day without praising him. You can't even live one day without saying, God, I give you glory. I give you praise. I give you honor. We acknowledge God. We give glory to God. We recognize that he is God and that Jesus is the son of God, king of kings, lord of lords, and master of every believer's life. And so to know God is to acknowledge him, but also to know God is to believe in him and to entrust yourself into his hands. You've got to believe in God. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ and believe what the Bible says about him and believe what he says in the Bible. I said we need to believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Listen, you don't go somewhere in a corner and conduct some kind of conception of who Jesus Christ is and what he can do. You get in the word of God. If any man believe on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So you got to believe like the Bible says. Come on, clap your hands and praise God. To know him is to acknowledge him. To know him is to believe in him. To know him is to commune with him. Listen, if you say you believe in Jesus and you don't have a relationship with him, if you say you believe in Jesus but you never talk to him, you never pray to him, you never hear from him in, in terms of the direction of your life, if you never have a relationship with Jesus, I doubt you really believe in him. Hallelujah. If you really love somebody, you want to be in touch with him. You want to talk to him. And then you really get to be a mess because both of y'all sit up there holding the phone up to your ear. Nobody's saying nothing. What? Nothing. Hallelujah. 
But if you really know Jesus, you commune with him. You love to talk. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine. Oh, that blessed sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. If you know Jesus is a friend of yours, tell two people he's a friend of mine. Hallelujah. To know Jesus as an intimate friend will build an immunity to temptation. When you really get to be a friend of Jesus, he gives you strength to endure and to pass by a whole lot of things that other folk cannot pass by, cannot turn away from. A real friend helps you stay out of trouble. A real friend will keep you on the right way. A real friend will stop you from doing stupid stuff because that friend will say, no, no, we're not going to go in that direction. No, we're not going to call that phone number. No, we're not going to deal with that particular individual. No, we're going this way. No, get up, we're going to church today. Hallelujah, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. None other help I know. If thou withdraw yourself from me, where, oh, where can I go? Listen, a real friend will help you walk right, talk right, and live right. How many of you know Jesus is a real friend? Hallelujah. He can see that deceptive spirit behind that smile. He can see that dagger to stab you in the back between that arms open pretending to love you and to care for you. And Jesus will carry you in the right direction. And we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but who was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Whatever you're going through, Jesus has dealt with it. He's been there, done that. But he did it without sin. He did not submit to the things that you submitted for, to. And so now you can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Is there anybody here that has gone to God and found mercy and grace to help in the time of need? Jude talked about it, and he said, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Have you ever had Jesus to reach out, grab you by the arm and say, no, we're not going to fall. We're going to go through. We're going to overcome by the power of almighty God. Come on, clap your hands and give praise to God. Hallelujah. To know Christ. I said to know Christ is to obey him. For 1 John 2 and 3 says, By this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. To know Jesus Christ is to obey Jesus Christ. And child of God, to obey him is to rely upon him. And he said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will 
and it shall be done unto you. If you want to do his will, if you want to obey him, ask him, Lord, help me to endure and overcome everything that's not like you. The things that come upon us are not different from what comes upon everybody. But in the midst of our temptation, God is faithful. And he will not suffer us to be tempted above that we're able, but he will with the temptation make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you can take it. Neighbor, you can endure. If you abide in the Lord, if you rely upon the Lord, if you call on the Lord, temptation may come, but the Lord can take you through. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, temptation may come, but the Lord will take you through. If you get him down on the inside, that which is on the inside will help you and strengthen you. Even when rough trials began to come your way, I said in the earlier service and many times before that Sister Blake loves to make a little dish that I enjoy very much. They're marinated cucumbers. She slices them up. She puts them in vinegar and adds a lot of spices and pepper and salt and a number of other spices that make them very tasty. And after marinating them for a while in the refrigerator, then it's my time to take charge. And I come by four, five, six times a day, open that little dish, take a slice of cucumber, go my way chewing, and enjoying it. But one day I got a little bowl of cucumbers. I emptied out her dish. That was all she had made. And it was for me to enjoy. I ate several slices. And finally I got down to the last slice in the bowl. And I was anticipating that slice of cucumber with great joy. It was the last slice. Tell somebody it was the last slice. I put it on my fork, and I raised the fork to my mouth with great anticipation. And just before it got to my mouth, it slipped off the fork and fell on the floor. I looked down at that cucumber. Do you think I picked it up and threw it away? No, I didn't. I picked it up and took it over to the sink. I washed it real good until it was almost washed away. Then I put it in my mouth. And when I bit into that slice of cucumber, the taste of the vinegar was still there. The taste of all the spices were still there. I enjoyed it, and I did not throw it away. God! will not throw you away. Hallelujah. If you really abide in him, get to know him. The way may be rough. People may turn their back on you, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Jesus said, I'll set up residence. I'll take charge of your life. And whatever you go through, I will be there. Hallelujah. He said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until you are endued with power. For you shall 
receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, under the uttermost part of the earth. Let the church say yes. Raise your hand and say yes. Yes. You need that power. You need the presence of the Lord. I heard Jesus when he said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Tread on serpents, tread on scorpions, shall not harm you. Power, power to overcome the tricks of the devil. I don't know about you, but through Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, I've got power that you can see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me. I am a majority child of God. You need the Lord. You need him in your life. You need him on your side. You need him in your heart. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Come on and praise him. Come on and praise the Lord. Stand up and give God glory. Stand up and give him praise. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm so glad to know you. Lord, I'm so glad to praise you. Lord, I'm so glad you're in my life, in my heart. Lord, when the enemy would come against me, thank you that you are there. Yes, if I love you, if I praise you, if I want to do your will, you'll step in and you'll help me. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me say it again. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who the call according to his purpose. Is there anybody here that loves him? Is there anybody here that pursues his purpose? Hallelujah. It's working out. Come on, tell two people. It's working out. It's working out. It's working out. If you need a miracle, if you need God to show up, somebody's life is upside down and topsy-turvy, but you need to turn it over to Jesus and let him work it out. Can't he heal you? Can't he deliver you? Can't he bring you out? Can't he bring you up? Can't he bring you over? Come on and praise him. Praise him. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's able. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may ask or that we may think. Come on, tell your neighbor, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all 
that we may ask, that we may think. If you believe it, you ought to give him advance praise. You ought to thank him and glorify him because it's working out. Hallelujah. I don't care what it is. Tell three people God can fix it. God can fix it. Someone in the room would have to admit things are not working out in my life as they should. What I had planned, what I had intended is not the outcome. The events of my life have not been what they should be. I'm not pleased and I'm sure that God is not pleased. I want to turn over responsibility and direction of my life unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord says, I just want you to love me. I want you to let me love you. Let me be there for you, to guide you, and to turn you away from those things that will destroy you. Let me bring you life abundant. That's all I want to do. That's all I ask you to let me give you. Someone in this room has heard the word of the love, the word of love from God, who loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die and to rise again from the dead. If Jesus could conquer death, if he could rise from the dead, there's nothing that he cannot do in your life. I want to pray for you. If you want salvation, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to know Jesus, I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you stand. Every sin you've ever committed can be erased, forgiven, right where you stand. God can come into your life and be there for the rest of eternity to guide you and to help you. Every sin can be forgiven. You can have eternal life. If you would say, preacher, I want to know Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be saved. I'll pray for you right where you are. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, I need to know that you want prayer for salvation. If this is you that would say, I want Jesus, just lift your hand now. Lift it now. I want to come into relationship with God. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well between me and God. Lift that hand. Hold it high. This is your day, your time, your opportunity in the balcony. The Spirit of the Lord is ministering and speaking to you. Hallelujah. The Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. 
Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. Believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that he is Lord of the universe. He'll come into your life. Your life will never be the same again. Lift those hands. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, dear Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you so much, dear Lord, that you've touched the hearts of those who've lifted their hands. They've accepted your promise. They've accepted your word. They want to give their life to you. Receive them, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Let them never be the same again. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I am forgiven. I have new life. Come on, praise God. That prayer was heard. That prayer was answered. Every sin is forgiven. Every wrong thing is erased. In the name of Jesus, it is